Welcome to the It's Going to Be Good podcast sponsored by Accrue. This is the place where Anna and I talk about how to build your accounting firm in a way that is healthy and sustainable so that you can focus on doing meaningful work with exceptional people. Today, we are going to talk about our leadership retreat and um, how we how we do those, how we have done those in the past, things that have been really effective in doing that and things that we have learned along the way. Anna, I'd love to hear your input on what you think, what you thought about annual retreats and retreat planning as like a concept before we started doing them. <laughs> I don't think it had occurred to me, to be honest. Yeah. Like it just, it didn't, it didn't even, I, I'm sure people did them. Like I'm sure that <laughs> is a thing people did, but yeah, it didn't really occur to me until we, until we first started working together and you came with me as I was doing like an overnight uh, or like a weekend with my coach at the time. And I felt like as we got together and collaborated a bit in person, and I think also we went out and grabbed coffee and just sat and talked about like what this might look like and, and what we might do together. And it was like, oh, this is why you need to get out of the office sometimes. Like mm -hmm. we had such a productive conversation on big picture things that I think it is too easy to just dive right into the day-to-day -day problem solving, which we did as we were planning for this podcast. <laughs> we were like, yeah, let's talk about leadership retreats. And then it, and then we did, and then it turned into like, oh, but we have these day-to-day -day issues. And what do you think about this thing? And it was like, we're doing it. We're doing it right now. The thing that is why you need to step away to be able to pull up and see that big picture. But I'm curious for you if that's ever something you had done before us starting to work together. I had not done it because I wasn't part of companies that prioritize that, but my husband had done it a few, like quite a few times at his pre one of his previous companies. And I remember thinking how valuable that like downtime was that time spent in space together, even not working, how valuable like eating meals together and just having like the opportunity to collaborate, even if that's not what you're doing a hundred percent of the time, they just got so much done on those retreats. So I feel like I had really good exposure to this kind of a uh, planning retreat and leadership retreat before, but I've never done it. And so I think I had an idea of it being really fun and, and productive too, but like just really fun. And I think I've been really surprised how productive it actually is. And, and specifically when we're not talking about something specifically on purpose, like, you know, for example, we had it on our calendar to plan out the podcast and we did, but that was the thing on the calendar. And if we were, you know, at a retreat and we had, you know, time set aside to collaborate about something that is just as important I've found as time set aside not to collaborate because stuff always comes to the surface. So I think that has been, been the biggest shift in my mindset from when we first started doing it is just how much more productive the non-working time is. Yes. When, uh, when my husband started at one of the companies he worked for years ago, I like week two of him starting, they had a company trip to mammoth 
And, you know, he was brand new. He had been there five minutes and it was like, (laughs) yeah, come and bring your family. And at the time our kids were much littler. So, so just he and I went and we were able to connect with his coworkers so much more quickly and build friendships that made that working together for him. And then also like, invitations to, you know, vacation together and, you know, to, to really like fast track him getting connected and plugged in at that company that built so much trust at the jump that I do think really helped him be successful there because there was that time that wasn't necessarily in the office. It was, you know, just enjoying time together, having meals together, doing fun, dumb activities together and making dumb jokes and kind of seeing if you can take a joke. And just that, that bit, I think really helped him. And I, I think that was the case for us as well. I think realizing, Mm -hmm. I think that, and then it was like a couple weeks later, uh, we went to, um, to a cabin together and, and spent the weekend at when the world shut down. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and I think when you work with people that you enjoy spending time with, that makes working together, not just more enjoyable, but I think more productive too. I think it's Mm -hmm. a lot easier to get effective things done when you enjoy spending time together than if it feels like a slog that you have to get through, or it feels like there's not a lot of trust built. So you have to do a lot of dancing around ideas and things. So I do think us kind of jumping in to do this um, from the from the jump, uh, I think it really helps accelerate our trust and working relationship um, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm curious um, for you when that shift from just this is nice fun time that we're spending together <laughs> to like, oh, we need to actually do some big picture planning and this is going to be most effective out of the office. Like, did you already have that in mind when we first started doing it? Or was that something that that we kind of did across time? I think it just came up organically across time because as soon as we started doing it, we started doing it quarterly. So Mm -hmm. we just kind of dove in head first and we're like, yeah, this is a thing that we do. And I think in doing it, what I realized is that one, we can talk forever about work and business, (laughs) hence the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But like we can keep going forever. And so like there's never going to be an end to the discussion. It's just a matter of making sure that we're having the right discussions. And that I've found is much easier to do when we're setting time aside. So it's tough to go from being in the weeds and being in the day to day, and then stepping up to that 10,000 foot view from your normal 1000 foot elevation. Like that's a huge jump. And I think it was obvious from the from that retreat that we did with with your coach that what that first weekend all the way to our like quarterly retreats up in the mountains were so helpful in just shaping that there is a time set aside for this and it's protected and so i think that was the biggest benefit to me of getting out of the office was just like having that time like really segmented off for that. But I don't know that it was clear to me that that we would 
that it would be this pivotal to our company, that it would be this helpful, that we would need it every quarter, like that it would actually be like necessary every quarter. But I think it really has been. And I think when we started creating formalized goals, it was clear that that was one of the primary ways that we were actually going to start accomplishing more. It was just setting out that intention. Yes. Well, and we made our mission and values on company retreats. So like that was uh, like some of the most foundational decisions that we made that have impacted every decision we've made since then were from times that we stepped away and asked the kinds of questions that you aren't going to ask yourself on a Tuesday afternoon. You know, you're not going to ask yourself when there's a hundred emails in your inbox, like screwing at you, or at least that's how I feel when there's a hundred emails in my inbox. You know, you're only going to do that when you set aside that time to ask what is important, not just what's urgent that needs to my attention right now. Like what is, what are the kinds of things we need to be focused on so that we're not just constantly treading water and feeling like we're not getting anywhere. And that's some conversations we've had are like, it is about the same amount of energy to swim from point A to point B as it is to tread water. Sometimes it's a little more energy to tread water. Mm -hmm. But at the end of swimming from point A to B, you're now at point B and you feel like that swim got you somewhere. Whereas treading water, you've expended all this effort and you have gone nowhere. Yes, totally. And I think when you, when we in seasons have deprioritized this, which I don't think has been very often, but we've pushed it once or twice and you can feel the difference. You can sense that the reason you're pushing it is because you're treading water. And the only way to get out of that is to stop treading water and make a different plan because what you're doing isn't working. And so like, you're going to be so tempted to stop when you feel like you're treading water um, and, and to not stop stop, sorry, to not stop and to plan because that doesn't feel productive and it's not going to help you tread water, but it will help you start making a plan for how you're going to swim instead of treading water. And that like segmented time to just look ahead, to, to step back from those weeds, from that day to day, you know, I don't know, gallery of problems that are inevitable in a company. Like it always feels like you're just staring at a gallery wall full of issues. But when you take that time away and that space away from the office, I think that's when some of the more strategic problem solving can happen. But I think that's only happen. I think that can only happen when you've got goals that you're setting. And I think you know, for us, like we've done that in several different ways, but one of the ways that we have done that is just by creating annual goals. So like a, just a big picture annual goal, which is like a very easy way to start this. Like, what do I want this department or this facet of our company to look like in a year? How are we going to get there? But I've seen us go in a couple different directions with this. Uh, we have gone toward too many goals where we have, we are too ambitious yep. to going too hard in the paint, trying to do too many things at once. And and what we found when we do that, when we err in that direction, is that we are consistently disappointed in ourselves for a lack of perceived progress. Mm-hmm. And we it just feels like you want to flip the table when you're like, wait, but I had all those goals and I'm accomplishing none of them. Cool. That's fun. I might just flip this table. <laughs> But I will say, even when we've been too ambitious, just naming those end points, those those B points and saying we're at A, we're going to B, 
now let's all swim in this direction. Even if it didn't feel like we were making progress on those goals, what's tended to happen for us is that we just have because we've named and prioritized that problem or that solution. And in doing that, we've inadvertently told ourselves that it's important to us and important enough to do something about. And so by the end of the year, even if we're, we've been kicking ourselves all year for not making more progress, we look back and go, oh, actually, we make quite a lot and quite a lot more than we realized just because we set the goal in the first place. So I will say that is not my preferred way of doing it but it is a way of doing it and it will get you some leading with the body kind of motion that will be helpful in starting to create this rhythm but we've also created too small of goals and not enough progress or not enough intention and progress and and looked back at the year and gone oh we probably could have accomplished more if we had intended to so that is the other side of that coin is you can you can be not ambitious enough as well um, and then I think the third pitfall that we've uh, had in sub in previous years of planning is just not revisiting those goals or not revisiting them often enough to either reevaluate whether they're still a priority or even just revisit it to make a plan for how we were going to execute it and that tends to just bring a lack of clarity to everyone else on the team and if there's not clarity for anyone else, we're not going to make progress on it. Yes. I think that's, that's, that is definitely the three main areas I've seen goals not be as successful for us is, you know, there's too many in too many disparate areas. And so we're trying to do a ton of different things that don't have any clear, like alignment or direction mm -hmm. is just try to be better at everything. Oh, we feel like we're better at nothing. Uh, and we're kind of some amount better at some of the things. Um, but mm -hmm. that's not really that motivating. And it's not that strategic. <laughs> not that strategic, turns out. And then creating goals that really are tasks that are really mm -hmm. like, they're not really like a, like a point B. It's really more like practice this stroke and it's like oh we did it you know but like that's not really a goal um so so even kind of just the the vision of what a goal is like if a if a goal could be accomplished easily in a day by a person like that's probably not like really a goal like mm -hmm. that's probably a task you know so yeah. so even just kind of defining what we mean by goals versus not goals i think in times we've we've really made tasks that that we called goals and then we did yeah. them and it's like we did it and it's like but it doesn't really feel like we did a whole lot it's like because well, we didn't I mean, yeah, we did we it. A task. <laughs> yeah. And that feels great. Check in the box. So yes. good. Top shelf. And then, and then, like you said, that not revisiting the goals, because I do think it's not just enough to go, hey, we're at point A, we want to get to point B. I want to know how close we are to point B from point A. Are we like 25% of the way there? Are we halfway there? Are we almost there? And we already need to be planning for what point C is because mm -hmm. we're really close to point B. If we never define any benchmarks along the way, it's also really hard to feel like you're making progress. And yeah. Feeling like you're making progress is potentially just as important as actually making progress. It's that yes. like that boost that's going to keep you moving forward versus always feeling like you're never there. Like 
it can be really easy to set a goal and still feel like you're treading water because you have no concept of how close you are. So you might as well be treading water. So I think totally. this year, our big shift was we, we had set aside some time uh, just after January to get together, which was lovely to celebrate the end of January. <laughs> If for mm -hmm. nothing else. If for nothing else. <laughs> just, woo, we did it. Just no it's over. No in a bathtub. We yep. like nailed it. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> and then we made some goals for the year and then realized, okay, like this is the year we really need to bring in some other team members besides just you and I to contribute as more of a leadership team than even just our kind of visionary integrator duo. Um, we're really getting to the point where we need more voices in the room and we need to revisit the goals that we set because I don't like even just from February to June, it's like, are these still the most important things for us to be working on? Is there alignment in a singular direction? Like, do these goals that we made by ourselves make sense to you guys? Because if they don't make sense to you guys, they probably won't make sense distributed company-wide. So I think this year really being not just the revisit, but kind of taking that revisit to the next level of like asking the question again, here's what we imagined in February. Is that really the direction that we should go in the next year? And I was pretty surprised by the outcome, which is, awesome. Like that, that was so fun to, to get to the end of that and go, no, it's not, but we have a better <laughs> and clearer vision because we had uh, more people and the right people in the room to contribute to that. So over the years, we've tried at different points to bring different team members in. And so I'm curious from your thoughts, Jill, on what has and hasn't worked in bringing other people kind of into this phase of the planning. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things that we really believe is that when you get weigh-in from people, you get buy-in. And so we like to ask the input of our team when it makes sense to get input. And so um, that really meant that like the key players for the goals that we were going to set needed to really be in the room to help make those decisions because in order for them to buy into that goal they kind of need to weigh in a little bit on it and so it was really helpful for us to bring in strategic people this year but i think before you know it's it's we've mistook um like bringing people in at the wrong strategic point, like misread the most strategic point. And I think there's some validation that happens before someone gets to enter that big picture planning room. I think we've also like thrown spaghetti at the wall with people too early. I think that's a tough uh, practice to do. So like just throwing out ideas, brainstorming, no idea is bad, is really fun for certain people and is like torture for others. And so if you're, if you're working with people who are gonna be tortured tortured by ideas getting thrown at the wall and whatever sticks is what we go with, then they're going to be really miserable in that collaboration process. So we've brought people in too early in that process where we haven't figured out enough of our piece to be able to cast vision for what we're still trying to figure out in that. We've tended to, to do that a little bit premature historically, but 
when you bring people in, it's really important that they have the right skill set for what you're doing at the time. So in in the the vein of that throwing spaghetti at the wall, like that is all wonder and discernment and invention that's happening there. And and these are terms from um, Pat Lencioni's uh, The Working Genius. And uh, so the idea is that there are six different types of working genius. There's wonder, which is like this ability to see gaps and stuff, this ability to see where there's like opportunity to develop better systems and processes. So it's a lot of like, what if we did it this way? What if what if this is how the world existed? So it's a lot of that kind of um, wonder and, and creativity for like finding problems to solve and finding the best problems to start with. And then invention is pretty straightforward. It's like, I have these ideas and, and I think that's one of your strong suits that we don't have a lot of on the team is um, invention's a tough one. You have to have a really creative mind. You have to be able to think outside the box and, and be able to come up with solutions that are not just the standard that you would normally engage in, in when solving a problem. And then discernment is just the ability to see what's right, what's wrong, what's going to work, what's not going to work, and the ability to like bring up those issues or those potential issues so that you can kind of think with the end in mind and, and start that way. And then you have galvanizing, which is getting people excited about the goal or the idea. It's that, um, you know, getting people on board and heading in the same direction. Enablement is helping people figure out how they're going to do it. And tenacity is just getting it done, getting that stuff accomplished and pushed across the finish line. But when we're talking about a leadership retreat, all of that is wonder, invention, and discernment. And so if you're a bookkeeper or an accountant who loves to just check the box and get stuff across the finish line and finish it and make sure it's nice and tidy and that that like it's all there and it's all perfect, that wonder and invention and discernment might kill you. <laughs> it might be your worst nightmare because yeah. we're not, it doesn't feel like accomplishing anything. And so I think bringing people in with the right skill sets is one of the biggest learning curves for us is we're looking for people to be in this room who have had the ownership and responsibility of big picture decisions in previous roles, or people who can wonder and invent and discern with us in real time in a, at a quick pace. And that requires having done big picture planning like that before. So we're looking for people not just who are smart or not just who are helpful or who are really good at the kind of work we're talking about. Um, but people who are good at talking about that kind of work and figuring out how we're going to execute on a much bigger plan than just what we're doing in a day-to-day -day or just what we're doing in a project. It is how can we take the company from a point to a completely different point? And then what are the steps along the way? And not everyone has that skill set. So just being able to suss out like who can bring something to the table that we don't already have and who can bring something to the table in real time that we need, even if we do have it. So that ability to invent, even though you have it, we want more voices in the room to invent, not just yours. Or mm -hmm. that wonder, I want to hear people who can see 
oh, this is a potential issue we're going to run into if we decide to go this direction. So how are we going to solve that when we get to that bridge? And I think that kind of like skill set is really underrated, but that this is the kind of place where that shines. Like all of that, like planning and thinking and processing and questioning, all of that stuff tends to be really devalued in an organization, but it is the essential parts of making a strategic plan for a company. And so it's really fun to be able to do that with people who can do it with us. It's really, really fun. Yes. Well, and I think one of the other things we have done in the past, and I think it's so typical and so common is to bring in people based on either their role or based on almost it being like a perk to be on a leadership team, like it being like a benefit, you know, that you get to be in the room and it shouldn't be perceived as or positioned as a benefit. It should be mm -hmm. perceived as a responsibility. You know, the decisions that get made, the conversations we have are almost, almost always, you know, some amount of them are going to be confidential. And so some amount of them are going to be talking about things that that aren't shared. So there's there's a lot of trust and responsibility there. And then there's also the responsibility that whatever we decide is going to impact probably every person at the company. So yes. can you think about the way that the decisions we make will affect the people that they impact, like the, if you can't see that as a burden of responsibility, then it definitely is not the right room to be in. If it's just mm -hmm. like, well, I want to get to sit at the big kid table. It's like, are you a big kid though? Cause big kids have to make the hard calls and, yeah. Yeah. and, and then they have to go tell other people about the hard calls. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you've never had the responsibility of hiring or firing someone, if you've never had the responsibility of like making a decision about what services you were going to cut because you can't afford to continue offering them, or if you haven't had to like make a decision about like cutting benefits because the company can't afford to continue providing the level of benefits that they currently do, like those are huge problems to solve. And those aren't even the problems that we're solving in these retreats. But if you haven't had that kind of burden of responsibility, responsibility, it's really hard to take yourself out of your normal role, your normal level of responsibility, and see things from that much higher standpoint that is a lot more serious than just like, did this project get finished on time? Or did that, you know, campaign get launched on time? It's, it's going to be so much more about, can I remove my personal interest from this decision-making process and make the best decision for the company, for our clients, for the team, and, and for me last, last and mm -hmm. least importantly. And that is not an easy skill set. Yes. I, and I think it's also, you know, personality and temperament and, and like you mentioned, working genius, like there's a lot of it that is some innate skill sets. Some of it is things mm -hmm. you learn and, and have experience in doing. Some of the ability to throw spaghetti at the wall and not just get so upset that we're not getting work done and checking tasks <laughs> off. Some of that is going to be innate. Like some of that isn't really something you can teach that you're going to get enjoyment and fulfillment and really contribute something to this very early phase planning. So one of the things I really like about Working Genius is it gives a tool to be able to 
figure out who those team members are that will best contribute to that phase of planning in a way that feels very neutral, in a way that is mm -hmm. still celebrating what everyone brings to the table, because this phase of planning is not more important than getting things done. And it no. is not less important than getting things done. No. They are both essential in getting things done. I love the way it's talked about in, um, I think it's in the seven habits of highly effective people about the difference between leadership and management. And these leadership retreats really are about leadership and leadership being about, you know, like, well, management being about, you know, leaning the ladder against the wall and making progress, you know, climbing the ladder, but leadership being about making sure that ladder is leaning against the right wall so that if we climb that whole ladder, we're going to get to somewhere we want to be. You know, it's mm -hmm. deciding that that point B is worth swimming to, that that is in fact the place that we want to be. And then management is like, okay, we need to do this many strokes and this many days, and that's going to get us to where, you know, to get to point B by this this date. But if point B isn't even somewhere we want to go because we never took the time to do this kind of planning and go, where do we see ourselves in six months? What kind of company do we want to be a year from now? What are the mm. things we want to be known for? Who do we want to be working with as clients? Who do we want to be on the boat as team members? Like if we don't do that planning, a year is going to pass either way. And mm -hmm. we may or may not be where we would like to be because we never defined where that was. So yes. it's hard to make time for this. And if we don't, the time will pass either way. So this is the thing that makes it so that a year from now we get to look back and go, did we do the things we set out to? Are we the company that we decided that we wanted to be, not just that we happened to be because a year happened? This episode of the It's Going to Be Good podcast is sponsored by Keeper. Keeper is a great tool for running your bookkeeping or accounting practice. When month end rolls around, the file review feature is what we use most at Accrue because it really highlights inconsistencies across months and makes it easy to spot errors and fix them quickly. Once you've made the updates needed, Keeper will also automatically update QBO for you. I really like the dashboard feature so I can see from a really high level the status of all of our clients' month-end close and make sure that our operations are on track. You can also use Keeper to send transaction questions to clients, create custom management reports, share a branded client portal, file storage, and so very much more. And Keeper is always working on their product. Are you ready to improve your practice? Check out keeper.app and use our code GOOD20, that's G-O-O-D-2-0, to get 20% off your first three months. Yeah, and I think, I think that is really an important piece of this is just being able to ask the right questions because we've made goals that were much too small or too narrow. I think even this year, one of our marketing goals was just like, oh, that's just the intention of our marketing campaign. That's just like an idea that we have. Like that's not actually a goal. And so if it's not specific, if it's not measurable, if it's not achievable, if it's not 
you know, uh, realistic, realistic and time bound, yep. like then, then it isn't really a goal and it can, you can totally have intentions for your company. Like, I think it's still helpful to create intentions, but like, that's just a bit of a hope at that point. <laughs> like you can't really chunk an intention into actionable tasks. It's just a North star or an idea or a philosophy or something that helps you make those decisions about how you're going to execute. But we needed to revisit what our goal actually was for marketing after our retreat, because we realized it's not actually a goal. <laughs> it's, not, it's nothing. <laughs> um, so yeah. And, and I think being able to revisit it and being able to like putting it on the calendar at least quarterly to at least discuss it again so that even if you made no progress during that quarter, at least you're marking that moment in time and creating a new intention for the coming quarter rather than looking back at a whole year and realizing that, yeah, time is the only resource you don't get to get back. And all of those goals you set didn't happen because time is not going to stop just because your progress toward goal stopped. So it's, it, I love that idea that like it is now or it is not at all. So why not just start? Um, and I think that's a lot of how we started. We just kind of started making goals and we made them well at the beginning, but also we've evolved a lot of how we do it. So I think at the beginning, we spent a lot of time mapping out when our working time was, but over the years, we've realized how crucial, not even just helpful or fun or enjoyable or necessary, but like crucial the non-working time is at retreats in particular. So, you know, like I said, we can talk forever about work and we will. <laughs> you can't stop us. You um, can't. They've tried. They've tried. It's unsuccessfully. <laughs> but I think like we've we've also had moments where I've said, let's go take a walk. Like, let's go just take a walk or take a hike or do something outside that isn't in the same space or that isn't just sitting and talking because we do that a lot. So let's just move and see what happens. And our collaboration is different because we moved. Or, you know, let's, let's take some non-thinking time. Like my brain is maxed. I've gotten to a point where I have no new ideas. Nothing is going to be fresh. So let's just take like an hour and let's just do solo time. You don't need to do or not do anything. There's no rules. Just spend some time passively thinking. And we've come up with such good solutions as a result of just stopping the intentional planning and just going, let's just give ourselves some space to passively think about this. And we, we ended a much better place when we do that. And then I think it cannot be overstated just the like hangout and food and drinking time that goes into a retreat like this, especially when you're staying in the same space, like just that time to live life together, even if it's just for like a day or a weekend or a you know, week or, or however long your planning retreat is, there's something so um, connecting about doing that non-working time, especially around a table, around food, around drinks, around games that is just not focused on work because you can connect so differently and it will only help you accomplish your goals. And I think every time we do that with intention, we're like, yeah, we should always do this. We should we always should have always. some time not working. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah, and I think um, it, the times that we've done it, um, just the two of us, we've always either, you know, stayed in a cabin together or we've stayed at one another's houses. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, we, 
I think I kind of took some of that for granted until we did this year's leadership retreat and we did an Airbnb and we stayed in the same place with um, some of our other team members as well. And there's something about, you know, cooking together or, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of figuring out how to... (laughs) kindly and normally share a bathroom or Mm -hmm. like, you know, just doing the kind of human things that we have to do. And that reminds you that we are working with other human beings, that Mm -hmm. there are people that we're working with. They're not just that this person that does this role at our company, it's, you know, times that we stand around and share a bit about our families or our lives or, you know, things that, that are important to us. And I think when you get to know someone and understand more of what matters to them and what they value, it's so much easier to collaborate on what we collectively value as a company, because you get when we are and aren't on the same page about some of those very fundamental just life things. Um, Mm -hmm. And we have an amazing benefit that we work with a lot of people that we share the same values. And I don't think that that's by accident. I think it connects directly to how clear we are with our company values and how obvious that aligns with people that share just some of the same life values. Because if our company values speak to you, you probably have very similar values in life of things like treating people well and looking for ways we can all win and collaborating with one another and, you know, doing things like sharing what you know, then you're also going to share things in your life. Like it just, there's so much about what we care about as a company that translates directly to what we care about just as people. And so something about sharing the space together and laughing together and making dumb jokes together. Then when we actually sit down to collaborate, there's so much trust built. There's so much, you know, like grace given for dumb ideas. Like there's mm-hmm. so much, there's so much grace given for discernment that that idea was a dumb idea. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. It's so much better just, received when you like each other. Yes. <laughs> and care yes. about each other. Yeah. And totally. when you know that that's the case, when you know that mm-hmm. that person likes and cares about you, you can hear their input in a different way than if you're not really sure whether they like you and then they said your idea was dumb. It's a little <laughs> harder to, to hear that. Yeah. You know? Then when you know it's like, hey, maybe no one is literally saying our ideas are dumb. Everyone's much kinder than that. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, when it's like, hey, maybe not that, maybe it's going to be more like this. And I think also one of the things you said about us, um, us taking breaks. So in our last leadership retreat, I I forgot markers. So, you know, we're all doing our best. And I uh, went... To, I, we were at this point of also kind of getting into the weeds, and which is totally a thing you can do even in this time set aside where you know you want to do this big picture planning. It's still so easy to jump into the weeds of talking about solving day-to-day problems. And we mm-hmm. realized it. So that self-awareness is super helpful. And so we decided to <laughs> take a break. You know, I, I ran to the store to get some markers because we like to use like big sticky post-it notes. So fun, you know, an absence of whiteboards everywhere, you know, you can take whiteboards mm-hmm. with you. And so just doing that, stepping away, taking a few minutes to myself and then coming back, I realized the, the question we needed to be asking that 
fully shifted the direction of the collaboration that landed the plane where we needed it to be, which really was what do we want to look like a year from today? And so we started collaborating Mm -hmm. about that and then really honing it in on, okay, but of all of these things, what is the Mm -hmm. most important? And I think in years past, we've kind of thought of all goals as being almost of equal weight and value. You know, all of these Mm -hmm. are things we want to make progress on. And I think as we've, you know, been doing this for a while, the thing I've realized is we need an overarching goal that everything else is subject to. And yes, we we have goals in other areas, but how do they serve our primary singular company-wide goal? Because that's going to be the filter that we make other decisions through. And I think because it's too hard to remember 15 goals. It's too hard to make progress on 27 different objectives. And so Mm -hmm. like, you know, or to make progress on one that you accomplish in a week. And then you're like, well, now what? You know, either of Mm -hmm. those two pitfalls of too many or too few or too easy, you know, having a very singular primary aim and everything else needs to fit in service of that aim gave us so much more clarity in this retreat than I think maybe we've ever had. And that was with more voices in the room contributing to it, which was so awesome because I didn't know where we were going to land when we started. It wasn't like, no, everyone come and listen to me cast the vision for our company and then come agree with me. (laughs) Yeah, not at all. I don't think either of us had clarity before we had those conversations, but because we had those conversations and because you knew what question we needed to be asking, we were able to arrive at the right goal, the right benchmarks, the right like intention. And that became our North star for the coming year. So we're, we've got that like very clear North star for ourselves. And we're still giving space to other voices in the room and arriving at the right spot. Yes. With more voices in the room, which is exactly what we're aiming for. Yes. And I think just so that it doesn't seem like I'm some kind of wizard here knowing all the right questions. The questions I asked were, where do we want to be a year from now? And what is most important? So this is not some like invention wizardry happening here. Like (laughs) this is just creating the clarity to get us all in alignment. Where do we want to be? And what is the singular most important thing for us to work on that is going to get us to where we want to go? And I think Mm -hmm. those two questions getting answered really was that, that piece that we needed to go, okay, now we can take a look at all the rest of the goals that we have, and we're going to eliminate a lot of them because they don't align. Whereas Mm -hmm. when we met in February and did this, we didn't have that clarity. We made a bunch of goals again. (laughs) And there are a lot (laughs) of them we're not going to do because they don't align with that. And so I I don't know what it was that, well, it's just taking a break. I think it can Mm -hmm. be overstated. There's going to be times you think and times you take a break. I think actually that was the same thing when we did our retreat on, um, on our values, We were dancing Mm -hmm. around a few things. We're like, let's sleep on it. Came back in the morning. And and when I wasn't thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) You did though magically that Um, time. That was all you. (laughs) That one was really fun. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but I, I do think so much of this, though, is is keeping in mind that responsibility, that leadership mm. really is that awesome responsibility to see others around you rise. And so it's not about me being magic and having the answers. It's about me providing the space to let others contribute to what we all collectively decide is most important, because it's not going mm. to be me personally that goes and executes on all those things. So if those team members are not on the same page, if we don't leave that retreat with the clarity of what is most important that we all agree is right, what then tends to happen is agreeing kind of, you know, superficially and then going off and doing whatever and then having the thing mm -hmm. fail and kind of be like, well, I knew that wasn't the right thing. You know, it, it just creates yeah. that misalignment that like really my responsibility is not to decide where we're going. It's to provide the space for us to decide together. It's to ask the right questions. It's not to have the answers. Mm -hmm. So I think that having mm -hmm. that balance between enough structure so that we get to something valuable at the end, because we do want to feel yes. like that time we spent away was worth it. While we have always enjoyed the time that we spend together, mm -hmm. I don't think there's ever been a retreat where we walked away going, well, we had fun, but I don't know that we got anything done. You know, there's always, yeah. almost too much, almost like, did we have mm -hmm. space for fun? But then collaborating. Yeah, was and, fun had? I think so. <laughs> it It is because we like collaborating. Yes, collaborating <laughs> is always fun and we'll always eat. And that's always the best. Uh, we'll always eat yes. together. <laughs> you always. know, but having that balance between, you know, making sure that there's enough structure so that we accomplish something, um, so that we get something of value, we get that good direction. And then also having enough space and breaks so that you step away and come back and then you're able to do more. There's a real balance between those two things. And then also deciding what matters, you know, deciding together what we want to accomplish, but especially now as we grow, giving space for other people to figure out how we get there. It's really that mm -hmm. leadership position of going, okay, we're all deciding Point B is where I want to go. Okay, now you guys, like, how do we get there? And in the past, it's always been us assuming we have to figure out how we get where we're going and how we get there and yeah. make sure that everyone else is, you know, like just a lot more of that um, assumption that every piece of that is us until we get to the point of just checking the box and then we hand it to someone else. But I think really as we grow, it's also delegating the ownership of figuring out how we get there. Mm -hmm. And that's so fun because we did that a bit in our most recent leadership retreat and they did it so much better than us. So much better. It was so awesome. So much better. It, yeah. It was amazing because we left for a very specific thing. And then when we returned, there was just a plan in place and it was like, oh, that's a great plan. That's a very precise and well-built plan. <laughs> sounds good. Let's execute when we go back to the office next week. Like that is the dream to be able to walk away from planning and still have it be effective and not just effective, but better than you could have made. It. Yes. And I think that's why yeah. it's so important to, to again, like it's the right people in this room. It's people with the right skill set that have the right ability to collaborate. It's not a perk to get to go on a fun retreat. I hope it feels like a benefit 
in some sense, but the primary mm -hmm. thing is the responsibility of making weighty decisions and being able to figure out how we execute on them. So it's not mm -hmm. just, you know, we got to go do fun stuff. It is that that ownership mindset where you're going to take these mm -hmm. ideas and run with them and you're going to ensure that we get there and you're going to tell us how we do it and we're going to go sounds good or you know little little left little right you know we're going to kind of mm -hmm. like put some guardrails Nudge up there it. yeah redirect yeah. it yeah i think there is always more that we can be doing better and i love that we think that way at a crew like i love that we're always wondering how we could be more effective or more efficient or more you know give more space to people's creativity or whatever but i think one of the things that's been most helpful for us is just well valuing other people's input <laughs> just valuing that other people are sharing their ideas and being grateful for that even if it's not the idea we go with and then listening first to understand, to discern those ideas and to respond with like kindness, but building that trust that even if the answer is, yeah, that's not the plan we're going to make, or what about this instead? Or if we do go with it, like it's always on purpose and it's because the idea was good, not because we like you. Yes. It is not personal. And that's the difference between wanting to go on a retreat because it sounds fun or it sounds like being in versus wanting to go to a retreat, a retreat because you feel like you have something to offer that conversation and being able to actually step up and have those conversations, knowing that everyone in the room is putting their own ego aside. Everyone in the room is putting their own um, goals for themselves and their own ambitions and their own, like, I don't know, well-being to some extent aside and prioritizing the company and the team and our clients above the any one individual. And I think that ability to think in that way is the number one indicator to me that someone can hang in a in a leadership retreat. If you can put yourself aside and prioritize other people above you, it tells me that you might be able to actually hang. And if you can contribute something unique in that or something that we need in that, you like it's a great fit. It just has to be all of those things. And it's hard. Yeah. It's harder than it sounds. Well, and I think so, you know, in, in imagining who might come with you on a leadership retreat, may, maybe start with some lower stakes collaboration. Maybe don't go mm -hmm. zero to a hundred on, you know, maybe most people are not going to be starting and then the next day inviting them to come with you on a retreat <laughs> like I did who with would Jill. Do that? <laughs> <laughs> For most people, it's, you know, it's offering some lower stakes opportunities to collaborate and really seeing who has a unique perspective of either ideas to contribute or great questions to ask or who is able to kindly but effectively kind of poke holes in ideas to be able to get mm -hmm. to a more effective outcome. It's really those three skill sets primarily that are going to be what's needed in this very early phase, kind of planning what direction we're going to be heading. And so some of the things we've done way before leadership retreats, way before inviting other team members to attend that we're having a lot of other, you know, either project-based or role-based opportunities to collaborate and being able to watch and observe how team members do. And then also deciding 
who should be in leadership positions ongoing. So leadership retreat mm -hmm. also isn't just, you know, a one-off opportunity to collaborate because you're good at collaborating. The idea is everyone in that room is is in a leadership role that will continue beyond that retreat that is going to take these decisions and go execute on them in their domains and figure out the right people to get involved at different phases. And so there is a certain amount that it is based on role, but it's not only based on role because we do have mm -hmm. team members in leadership roles that weren't at the leadership retreat. And that is not because we value them any differently and is not because, mm -mm. you know, they, are contributing any less, it's a very specific skill set that is going to be able to do this type and, and also enjoy it. I mean, we're not looking to make mm -hmm. anybody miserable. So, you no. know, it's both that you can do it, that you have the skill set to do it, and hopefully that you do, in fact, enjoy it because otherwise it'll, it'll be a real bummer for you. And because we're all generally kind people will kind of slow down to try to accommodate the lack of enjoyment in a way that's not very productive. And so there is a certain amount of like, you kind of have to want to be there to be there. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to have the skill set to want to be there. So both of mm -hmm. those sort of need to be true. But really that the function of these retreats, so deciding, you know, who should be there, deciding how and where to do them. Uh, we grabbed an Airbnb. We, you know, went out to dinner a few times, but mostly just kind of hung out there and had times to collaborate mm -hmm. and times to relax and times to, you know, do different things. But it's really deciding that this is a time we're going to set aside to determine what is the most important things that we want to be working on. If we look back a year from today, what do we want our company to look like? And what things, what is the most important thing that we need to be working on to get there? And then what are the other things that are going to contribute to that primary goal that's going to get us from here to being the company we want to look like a year from now? Whether those goals are revenue goals or project goals or services goals or whatever the thing is that that you determine as a group, as a leadership team, is the most important thing for you to be working on in the coming year so that when you look back and a year has passed either way, you get to say, this was well spent. Like we did this on purpose. We are a different company now than we were a year ago. And we are moving in the direction that we're all excited about moving. And so that, that deciding together, I don't think can be overstated that, that it is not just the CEO's decision. It's not just the COO's decision. It's not just the CFO's mm -hmm. decision because it's not just about the money, uh, you know, <laughs> by the end of our leadership retreat, I don't actually know whose idea it was that the most important thing we needed to be working on, which is exactly how it should be, because it means yes. that that time was effectively collaborative so that when we decided together, it became an idea that was ours and it wasn't any one person's. And that means mm -hmm. that we are the kind of company that we want to be, because that's exactly the kind of space that I think effective leadership creates is the ability for mm -hmm. us to decide that high quality team-based decision-making that the decision we make is so touched by everyone that's there that it isn't even really that clear where it came from, but it's clear that we're all deciding together. Yeah, that's where we want to go. 
So hundred percent. I think that this is, this is the fire prevention. It's so easy to get in the weeds. It's so easy to just firefight what's in front of you all the time. This is the fire prevention. This is working on what is important, but not urgent. That is going to get you to be the kind of company that you want to be a year from now. It's so exciting. Well, thanks for joining us. We hope you will keep tuning in as we share how we are building a firm worth building. It's going to be good. 